This program is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland. This is the Career Insights Podcast, brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland Careers and Employability Team. Hello, welcome back to Career Insights. I'm Katie Baker, Industry Relationships Consultant with the University of Southern Queensland, and I help connect our students, gain opportunities and make connections in industry. Here on Career Insights, we're here to help you realise your career goals. We've got all the best tips on careers and employability, as well as insights from industry professionals and USQ alumni. We're here to help you break down barriers, have those career conversations, and become the most employable you can be. Coming up on today's show, we'll dive into the world of the hidden job market. And joining me today is USQ career development practitioner and eternal optimist, Shani Larak-Moon. Thanks for joining me on the show today, Shani. Thanks for having me, Katie. It's great to be here. And so, Shani, today we're going to talk about the hidden job market. But what is the hidden job market? It's such a great question and a lot of people bandy the term around. And I, I think for me, it's it's about roles and opportunities that don't um, get advertised through t- traditional um, advers- ad- advertisement channels. So things like, um, you know, online job boards um, directly from organisations, websites or government Um, employment websites as well. So they're really those ones that sort of fly under the radar and and it is um, important to see them not only as jobs but also opportunities for work as well. Um, And the reason why they don't get um, don't get advertised is hiring managers might be just way too busy to engage in a full recruitment process. Um, It might be that they have um, already um, tried to look for someone to fill the role and they have not been able to, to find um, the best candidate. And um, I, I've heard on a couple of occasions recruiters refer to the purple squirrel. And the purple squirrel, of course, is a candidate that is perfect and, of course, they don't exist. So that's the other reason why hiring managers or even rec- recruiters might um, try to find someone in this hidden job market space because they just haven't been able to find the right person. And so how do you go about uncovering the hidden job market? Yeah, I suppose there's a lot of different ways you can come at it. Um, I think building a network um, and really staying connected with people in your industry is a really good move. Um, I think a broad-based job search is one that um, not only um, uses online job boards, but it uses LinkedIn and it might use recruiters as well. And it also targets organisations. So thinking really broadly about how you can tap into into the hidden job market. And I think probably one of the best ways of doing that is, you know, knowing your industry, knowing people in your industry and uh, and really engaging with LinkedIn. And then how do you you find that industry? Like what if you don't have a lot of people in that industry that you know what should I be doing then? Yeah, it's it's a good question. People um, sometimes say to me, "Oh, but I don't, but I don't have, um, you know, a lot of people to connect with, or I don't already have a an existing um, network." And I suppose what I'd encourage people to do is, you know, get out a piece of paper um, and start writing down, you know, friends, family, friends and family of those fan- friends and family, um, thinking about the people that you. Um, study with, so fellow students, um, your lecturers. Um, I think people that you've previously worked with would be a good source of, um, of a network as well. Um, perhaps previous suppliers um, that you've worked with. Um, and I think, you know, reaching out to recruiters. I mean, all of those people can be 
um, people who are in your network and they can certainly encourage you to or introduce you to other people. So, um, you know, the net sort of gets wider and wider um, the more you dig down into into who, who you do actually already have in your network. And I think if once you've gone through that process of, you know, friends, family and, and built from there, if, if you find you still really don't have much of a network there, I think at least you've got a list of sources of a network. So that, that list is, has a dual um, advantage. And so when you talk about, um, you know, you've got those people, you've got your networks, you've found them, do you, do you just go then in and ask, do you have a job or should you just sort of be doing some further research to see if there's the opportunities there or whatnot? Yeah, look, asking asking someone if they've got a job, I do think it's, although it's a very brave question to ask, I, I think it's one of those questions that usually um, you'll get a yes, no answer. And of course, if you get a no answer, well, that can be quite um, deflating and discouraging. So what I would suggest is see it as an opportunity to share ideas about the industry, ask questions um, and engage with people in a way that is not so much focused on, gee, have you got a job, um, which is a perfectly legitimate question, especially if you are in job search mode. But I think, um, you know, the goals of those conversations can be about sharing industry ideas um, and, and asking people, you know, how they got engaged in the industry and sharing topical things about the industry. And I think that has a dual purpose. It, it demonstrates that you're keen to know more about your industry and you're keen to engage with other people and share ideas. Um, but it, it has that dual thing of um, really connecting with people as well in a more authentic way than rather than just asking people if, if they've got a job. And when you're going in there and talking to people about the industry and maybe finding more about it, if it is the right fit for you, I've heard the term thrown around, well, not thrown around, but informational interview. Mm. What exactly is that? Uh, I, one of my favourite subject in careers, actually, is the informational interview. It's Look, it's a great way to um, find out more about your industry. It's a great way to connect with people. And it's a really good way to um, practice um, thinking about, you know, what are the things about the industry that I really need to know about to achieve those career goals? So you might want to know, um, once you've identified someone that you want to connect with, you could connect with them through through your own network or you could step outside your network um, and connect with someone on LinkedIn. Um, and then it's about formulating those questions. And there's quite, if you just um, Google informational interview, there are plenty of sites that will give you a fairly um, comprehensive list of the kinds of questions that you ask. But you might ask things like, you know, what are your qualifications? How did you get involved in the industry? Um, you know, what what is one of the biggest challenges that you think the, the industry faces? And it gives you an opportunity to meet someone new. And I always encourage students to, perhaps at the end of that informational interview, ask it, your contact if there's anyone else that they recommend that you talk to as well. So then it, it becomes um, an opportunity to have more conversations. And I think that's where we all want to be is engaging with people as much as we can and, um, you know, having really authentic conversations, asking questions and, and sharing information and ideas. And so when you're out there um, talking to these people, like your industry networks, should you have an elevator pitch ready to go when you're looking at those sort of hidden job market slash informational interviews? 
Yeah, I, I think it's always good to have, you know, two or three sentences that kind of gives you that opportunity to introduce yourself. Um, I think when people say elevator pitch, it sometimes feels a bit, um, you know, a bit forced and a bit staged, but it doesn't need to be like that. I think if you're talking about, um, you know, the industry that you're involved in, perhaps your areas of expertise, things that make you unique from somebody else. Um, and I think the other thing is, why do you do what you do? I think a lot of people get caught up in explaining what they do. And I think that's terrific and that is helpful. Um, and I also think that talking about why you do what you do can really reveal um, some values and some things that are quite unique because we don't all do what we do for the same reasons. So, again, it, um, it's a way of um, defining yourself um, and perhaps, you know, putting some distance between, you know, yourself and, and your people in your profession. So demonstrating so, your uniqueness, yeah. So I like that. Why do you do what you do? Yeah, like it's a good, a good thing just to even have that self awareness and have mm. a look in why we do what we do. Yeah, and I think too when you know when things get tough when you're you know perhaps when you've got your student hat on or your parenting hat on or any of the other life roles that we that we occupy, I think coming back to why you're doing what you're doing can help you get through you know, those really tough, challenging times. So that's why I think it's an important um, thing to reflect on for probably for all of us at any stage of your career. Mm, absolutely. Um, so when I'm out there looking for the hidden job market, would I find it overnight? Should I expect to find it overnight? Or is it sort of a something you've got to go do your research with, which I suppose we've kind of covered that as well? Mm. I think your listeners probably already know the answer to that question. It, it it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight, and and nor should it because throughout our whole career, depending on you know what that career is made off of. So it might be parenting or caring. It might be studying. It might be volunteering um, at a local community organisation or a local church group, or it might include paid work. So all of those life roles we've got, I think. During the course of all of those, we will never stop connecting and having conversations with other people. So, um, and really networking in in that way that that feels really authentic, and it helps you to feel a part of something um, bigger than yourself. Um, that sense of community that can come from continuing to network. Um, and you know, if you're looking, when people say you know it is a process, I think thinking about um, making making those connections with people closest to you first and then branching out as you get more confident and more industry knowledge. So starting close and then working out. And I often liken it to, you know, imagine a, a beautiful still river um, and you throw a pebble in and that pebble breaks the water and, you know, the ripples start close and then they move further and further out. And I think um, that's kind of like what networking is, start close and then it, it grows from there and gets bigger. Mm. And um, Shani, do you have any tip or advice for a student out there today? Um, I, I think, yeah, stay the course. I think study can be hard, but I stick at it. You'll get there in the end. Um, I think, you know, building self-awareness is a really important part of the puzzle, not just because it empowers you as you get to know yourself better and how that impacts on your career goals and how you're going to achieve those goals. But I think also, and I think this is, goes to the, the bigger thing that we're talking about here around 
um, networking and the hidden job market. It is about seeing, it's not just about what jobs are out there to apply for, but it's also talking about where am I a good fit? What, what sort of organisation is a good fit for me? One that, you know, perhaps shares my values or is the, the size of organisation I want to work for. Perhaps it's an organisation that um, supports a particular um, client or patient or, or student um, cohort. So thinking about where you'd like to work, I think, is, is really important. You know, engaging with your industry, definitely joining a professional association um, and finding, you know, that gives you that capacity to find like-minded professionals, which I think is a really important part of the puzzle. And, and probably finally is identifying those skills that you need. So what mm -hmm. skills? So, yes, the, the degree is important. Absolutely. No question about that. But what are the skills um, that I need to do, need to acquire to fulfill that role? And how are you going to get those skills? So work experience, um, you know, if you've got any placements or pracs, take them really seriously and see them as an opportunity to build your network. Absolutely. Well, Shani, that's just been fabulous. And thanks so much for joining me today. That was Shani Lorak moon USQ Career Development Practitioner. Thank you for joining me today on Career Insights. Thanks again to my guest, Shani Lorak moon for taking the time out to speak with me. Career Insights is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland and it's produced by USQ Creative Arts student Byron Quayle. High-achieving Year 12 students who put the University of Southern Queensland first on their QTAC application could become rewarded automatic scholarships up to $29,000 are on offer. Make USQ your first choice and join the number one university in Australia for graduate starting salary. Visit usq.edu.au slash become rewarded for more details.